0: So then you bring it back to law enforcement and how are you interacting with people and people are spitting at you. People want to fight you. You can't control the nature of the job. You can't control the crappy supervisor that you have. And yet you can still control how you react to it and what you do about it. So that just, again, and, and then if you're a supervisor or a lieutenant or a major, or sheriff or chief, whatever, you look at it, just don't put labels on it. And it's as simple as don't take things personal. So if people are like my client. Is filing a complaint against somebody in your department for sexual harassment discrimination, don't take it personally. Just look at what's happening and is there an opportunity for improvement? That's where I like to put the positive poly um, filter on it. What could you do better?
1: Hey guys, if you missed out on the last conference in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't want to miss out on the next one. It's April 28th through May 3rd, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You made a mistake missing the last one. You don't want that to happen again on this one. Five days of some of the best training you're ever going to experience packed into one event. We have an early bird special right now. $50 off. Use 24 early bird on our website, streetcop.com. Look for the conference. Click the link. Register today. If you want to get significantly better at this profession in five days, don't dare miss out on the 2024 Street Cop Conference. be a street cop. What do you want to talk about today?
0: Um, I saw your post yesterday. I don't know when you posted it. I saw it yesterday about how uh it's a shame that when people are getting in trouble in their department that nobody ever reaches out and checks on them, to make sure they're okay. That's so real. And then I kind of got I sent out a newsletter last week and it was about it just so happened to be this one week about Tips for women in law enforcement, if they, if they're looking for a new job, things to consider like maternity leave. Like, do they have a maternity leave policy? And some tips on things you could ask for. And this, somebody responded back to me saying, What a load of crap. And after a few exchanges, I finally just said, Thanks for the information. And um, he's like, Well, did you ever even wear a uniform? And I was like, um, well. If you're following me, I'm not really sure why you're asking that question, because you should know that I did wear a uniform, but I ignored that part. And then he's ended up responding back saying, I've worked with over 500 women in my career. Not one of them ever said anything, about mater- said to-, said anything to me about maternity leave. Like, oh, okay. So my point being, I kind of feel like stirring the pot a little bit today in whatever we talk about.
1: <laughs> I think that's good. So let's stir the pot
0: but what I love' that's what I love that aspect about what you do because I've heard you talk about how you've gone out and that maybe agencies or academies don't like when you come out because you point out the things that agencies agencies and academies do wrong and I think that that's great that we do that that you do that I would I think more people should do that because there are absences and discrepancies even or conflicts of interest or definitely conflict of interest when it comes to what I do. And what departments do for their people. In um, and, and reality, the executive level of law enforcement is in direct conflict of interest with what they really should be doing to support employees. But because of all the liabilities involved with what they do, it's always CYA and it is conflict of interest a lot of times. Like you're not really looking out for the health of your officers. You're looking out for the, your liability and your bottom line and your that budget line. But yeah. I think that's a shame, that, and that's why more people need me, because they have a department who's not really looking out for them, and they don't train their people to be leaders and to pro- to grow leaders, and and then they end up being screwed over. And I have a, I had a firefighter that I've talked to the other day, twice now, a firefighter for thirty years, brought to tears over how he's been treated at the end of his career, and not because of the the the, the critical incidents he's been involved in. Or any of that. It's because of how they've treated him at the end of his career and making him feel like that what all the all that he sacrificed and all that he gave didn't matter. And I think that all comes down to you want to feel like what you do matters. And it's not that hard to make people feel like they matter. It's really not.
1: So there's this thing that every human needs and it's to be seen, validated, and heard. Yeah. yeah and those are basic every- human needs, right?
0: Yep. It's, it's, it's such a simple thing to take a minute to check in with people, but to to check in with people on a regular basis, a supervisor on, on patrol. I mean, I had a girl here in Houston tell me that she ended up leaving after five years for a couple of reasons, but one of them is she got evaluated by a supervisor on her shift that never, ever once came out to watch her do her job, never once watched her interact with people you know, interact with the community, handle a call, good or bad, never once. So how on earth can he provide feed? I, I hate to say he just because it so happened to be him, but it is not exclusive to to just men. Um how on earth can you evaluate people and give solid good feedback that's going to be credible that the that the receiver is going to care about if you've never watched watch what they do. It, it blows my mind.
1: You know there's this constant conversation that happens on this podcast. And I think a lot in this world and it's the making sense versus not making sense. Yep. And those who understand what sense is and those who understand, or those who don't understand what sense is. Yeah. And so then it comes down to an agenda. So if you're not making sense and there's no conversation to be had, what is the agenda? Mm -hmm. And so an agenda doesn't have to have rules or make sense. It just has to be, the agenda that the one person has created it, that's what it becomes. Mm-hmm. Their agenda, mm-hmm. regardless of rhyme, or reason, or anything like that. So it is a significantly complex thing to look at as to how we end up in some of these situations that we end up in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Complex and like when I when I've been on in the past, we talked I mentioned a book that I follow um The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I think I'm going to give that to everybody I know this Christmas. So look out, look for your, just, just be surprised when you get it. If I send you one in December, if you haven't ever read it, if you have read it and you have it great gift it to someone else, because if you really live those four agreements, one of them being like, don't take things personal. That matters. If you're in patrol, that matters. If you're a husband, that matters if you're a parent, that matters if you are as an attorney, it matters if you're a client. It matters in every single interaction relationship that you have while you exist. There is, I mean, I can go through that. I'm not going to bore you with all the other four agreements, but I mentioned that one a lot is like, don't take things personal. And it's really because it's not, that's not complex. And yet it is because it's really hard to live that way. It, I know it, I've been studying that book for 20 years, 25, good God. 26 years now crap i'm getting old um not really and it's that's one that i didn't want to live it that way you don't you you don't want to say like don't take things personal like you're you're driving and it's traffic and you get mad get mad at the other driver oh that guy makes me so mad and somebody said to me in my 20s a really great supervisor that i had said nobody makes you anything you make yourself that way you decide to get mad well that's really hard to let that go. it's really hard to accept it and let it go no I want to be mad you're the one deciding to be mad it doesn't matter if someone's doing wrong doing something wrong to you you're still the one that decides if that makes you mad if you get mad now I still get mad I still lose my mind over you know Things my kids do around the house sometimes, frustrated with my husband, frustrated in traffic. I mean, the doctor this morning had me wait 45 minutes and she's normally always never, ever been late. I mean, I can't control any of those things. And so I think it comes down to if you really can live that, if you really like look at your life and say, what. don't take things personal and think of something that you got mad about or sad about. And and I'm also not saying emotions are bad. Everybody has emotions what you shouldn't do is label them or judge yourself for them. You just look at them and see like back when I, I, i lost it for a while. i normally do like a, a meditation every Friday morning. So my protective wellness account, I lost it a little bit over the summer because of my kids schedule, but it's coming back this week. Um, and I often say, just look at what's happening around you happening in your world. Like a silent movie, What like watch it float by like clouds floating by. Don't put labels on it. Just watch it. But then observe what kind of label you're putting on it. Like when you get mad, and then you get mad at yourself because you're mad. Or there's been times in my life where if I want to cry about something, and I'm mad that I want to cry, and I don't want to cry because I'm like I want to be tough. I don't want to be. I don't want to cry. And this, trust me, I've had thousands of hours of therapy over just that. Like why? Why am I that way? What's well, because of my crappy boyfriend in high school? But I mean, just as an example. But just don't put labels on it. So then you bring it back to law enforcement and how are you interacting with people? And people are spitting at you. People want to fight you. You can't control the nature of the job. You can't control the crappy supervisor that you have. And yet you can still control how you react to it and what you do about it. So that just, again, and and then if you're a supervisor or a lieutenant or a major sheriff or chief, whatever, you look at it just don't put labels on it. And it's as simple as don't take things personal. So if people are like my client, is filing a complaint against somebody in your department for sexual harassment discrimination. Don't take it personally. Just look at what's happening and is there an opportunity for improvement? That's where I like to put the positive poly um, filter on it. What could you do better? And so I just think everybody, everybody could do that in some way in all aspects of life, job and, and personal everything.
1: But They have to care.
0: Well, that's another issue that you should probably get therapy for. <laughs> um, but again, if you don't care, then look at that. Why don't you care? I mean, and should you not they don't, be- They don't
1: care to even look. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the reality of things. So how do you cut ties with human beings like that? And when you work for them, that's the hard yeah. rub about with this world.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, and like my clients who say, well, I don't want to do anything because it won't matter, or I won't do anything because they don't, they don't care if they're doing something wrong. They're going to do it anyway. Well, fine, but that doesn't control who you are. It doesn't control your options or the way that you live. You know, and you and I have talked about this in other conversations. Should you transfer to a different department? Should you look at another agency? Should you, you know, can you remove yourself from that, that person's world or that, that person's little sphere circle, and maybe you're at a, such a small department that you can't, but there's always options. You and I have talked about that before. I've heard you talk about it other places. But that there are, There's always options. You just sometimes might need a, th- a third perspective to figure out what that is, or a vacation to figure out what that is, or something, but there's always options.
1: You know, some people ignore their options to their detriment, but the reality is, and I say this to a lot of people very often, If it's beginning to feel like your agency, your job, your boss is starting to come after you, it's gonna be very, very hard to re-engage in this profession after you've been fired Mm -hmm. versus seeking to go somewhere else. And you know what's crazy? There are agencies that essentially run interference for those who try to leave and try to keep them like slaves. So people have to understand, like you're gonna just ultimately, may have to disengage from it for six months, eight months, regroup and find an agency that's going to understand that your previous agency is going to try to run interference because they're frustrated that you left.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And people call me, you know, as an attorney saying, that, you know, they'll give me that situation. They'll say, well, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out something with wrong. I'm trying to figure out if there's some way that we can come back and and get a letter from me saying cease and desist or stop doing this. But sometimes it's just as simple as that. That's what's happening. They're just interfering. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Most people that call me have something I can help with, but, um, but yeah, it, it happens. And that's that person's ego tied into it, which I think is a shame and 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 happens a lot in the law enforcement world. As we all know, there's a lot of ego tied into the job um, and that's not exclusive to law enforcement. I mean, it certainly exists in the law world, law firm world, where I've been for a long time, um, and lots of other worlds. But uh, for sure, it exists strongly in the law enforcement world. Um, but yeah, it, and and but again, you can't control that. And yes, if you're in some place that's bad, I mean, take my situation. Mine was bad. I thought it was extremely toxic. I just couldn't take it anymore. For I chose not to take it anymore for for lots of reasons, and I left thinking, okay, fine. And then part of me at the time being, I was bitter about it, thinking, okay, fine, they you win, I quit. Like I'll leave the SWAT team, I'll leave whatever. You win. Well, then I found out later they were still saying things about me anyway. So ultimately, like maybe it sounds cynical to say, you know, n- nothing you do is going to matter, but. The positive polyway about it is say, yes, but I removed myself from it and I've created a whole new life for myself that never would have been possible if I'd stuck around and they had fired me. Getting fired from a law enforcement job, a job that holds that much power in it, definitely holds a lot of weight when you're even looking at something like getting into law school or getting another job. People always want to know, oh, you got fired from a job as a cop. What did you do? Uh-huh they're always going to assume the worst. And then unless you're getting another law enforcement job, they're not going to do a background on you like they would in law enforcement. So they're just going to assume the worst and be like, I don't know, I'm going to go with this other guy who didn't get fired from a job as a cop. I mean, I, I think there's things you can do to rehab your sort of sort of rehab your credibility in a sense. And that's another thing that I help clients with, but still you always want to feel like you have control of it and you can't control everything but there are certainly some things that you can control. And what we're talking about is something you can control. I mean, there's not a single department in this country that's not hiring right now.
1: You know, I think that when somebody works at a place and they realize that things aren't good, it may be a really good idea to take temperature of the environment. And a lot of people ask me questions about how to make things better where they are. And so the response is, I don't know if you can. Mm -hmm. And if you try and you get friction and that friction is they're going to publicly crucify you, Mm -hmm. you've got to take into account and weigh out the worthiness of this. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to not try to help if you can, but if you are telling somebody who literally hates canine units that it's imperative that we have canine units Mm -hmm. and the person you're telling is your chief and he's the ultimate say or she's the ultimate say in it. Um, and you make such a stink about it, you stomp your feet, you scream, you go beyond that chief, you are asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. So maybe the better solution is to go find a chief who loves canine units. And the reality is, typically we all have two options. You can either leave and go find a place where you belong, or you can stay and conform. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is, a lot of us don't take this job because it's a job. And that's where a lot of friction lies as well is because we see it as a purpose and a lot of people see it as a job. Mm -hmm. And so in reality, there's a lot of purpose behind it. But when we're talking the semantics of when it comes to labor and workforce, it is a job and you have a boss and nobody's saying that you should do anything improper or illegal. But if your boss and your boss being your city council, your mayor, your chief of police, wants two tickets a day, and you don't like tickets. And you don't want to give them two tickets a day, what your boss is requiring you to do, which they can't, quote unquote, I guess, do that, or make how many contacts. You can play the game of, well, that's illegal. You can't make me write tickets. But then they're going to play other games. Yeah. And and they have a lot of tricks up their sleeve, believe me. They Just so we're clear, they typically have the leverage. Yeah. And so it's a you talking about engaging in an uphill battle, or sometimes you have to say it's just not worth it. You know,
0: I think that's similar in that situation. So like, if somebody gets arrested and then comes to find come to find out they shouldn't have been arrested, that doesn't mean you should fight the cop in the instance, and then start. I mean, because then you are going to get arrested because you're fighting a cop. I'm not. I'm not saying that's a good example. I'm not saying that that's the right situation. But sometimes getting arrested and then saying and then getting cleared of the charges or the charges being dropped, or saying, "Oh well, you know." Assuming that there are no, and I don't like the word assuming, but assuming that there's no like intentional ill will behind and somebody was arrested, the wrong person was arrested. But sometimes if you were meaning that you're going to have to fight the system to prove that that was wrong before, until you can get it cleared, because the best, it's not the best option to fight the cops if you're about to be arrested. That's just never, it's not smart. <laughs> Similarly, if there's something going wrong within your department. I agree with what you said earlier. I do think you should report it, try to do something about it, make things better if you can, knowing you can Do that-
1: wisely, right? Like, like let's let's talk about like doing it wisely.
0: Right. Yeah. And so
1: everybody gets into these these thoughts and ideas of like I should sue him, I should do this, I should do that. Uh before you do anything, you need to consult counsel and see what your real options are because we can all sit here and pontificate and speculate what we should do. But yeah. then sometimes there's a reality of like that's actually not possible. Right. You're not there yet, right? You don't have a case. That's a hard thing to hear for people. You don't have a case.
0: Very much. Right. Because it's not illegal to be a jerk. I mean, it's just not. It's not illegal to be, you know, to treat people poorly as a cop. That's not illegal. Obviously, I'm not and I don't mean violating their constitutional rights or anything like that. I'm just talking about being a jerk. You can do your your job nice or you can do your job being mean. It doesn't matter. That's not illegal. It's illegal in other ways. It's illegal to be a jerk to somebody just because of their age or just because of their their male or female or just because they're gay or, um, you know, so that that's not legal. And you know, like for my situation, when I was in it, as you know, just to say for personal experience, I never reported what I thought was wrongdoing because I want, I just wanted, so I just like someday they're just gonna realize that I'm good at what I do, and then they're gonna respect, respect me so much that they're gonna just leave me alone. Well, I realized that everybody in this world is selfish, and it's just a fact. Everybody's just they're only worried about what's happening to themselves, and I, and I'm not mean that good or bad, and so that's what they they're doing what they were gonna do, and it wasn't gonna change. So. My point being that I never reported what was happening to me, even though I was explicitly given the opportunity by my captain, who was really on my side, because I thought, well, if I report this, they're going to start, this is going to get worse. They're going to start treating me worse. And it's it's not going to matter. Well, how do you, I have no way of knowing that because I never reported it. I never said, you know what, chief? Yes. You know, yes, I I know these, these things happened to me, but I saw this, this, this happened to other people and no, but they didn't get written. Here's the disparity in it. Because for what I do, I look at, are you being treated differently than us or because of a, a, a specific reason? And I never report it. So I have no way of knowing that could have ever gotten better. And that's my advice to anybody out there. At least try it. At least look up what your policies are on reporting something and follow the procedures. And if they don't listen or they, they're they obviously wrong some of the times, maybe. Will it go wrong all the time? No.
1: You know, I I feel very badly for a lot of people who are misled in this profession or any profession. And I believe that they are so naive when they're new to the realities of what they may face. And by the way, this does a disservice to those men and women who are quote unquote leaders who Mm -hmm. are taking care of their men and women. So we're not saying this is everywhere, but it's certainly prominent enough where we can, it's worth talking about. Mm -hmm. Because as an attorney, who represents people on these issues, um, clearly these issues exist. So as long as they exist, they need to be talked about and they exist in droves. I mean, hear about it nonstop. You know, I'm not saying every single one is unjustified. Uh, Mm Um, you know, recently I had a conversation with somebody and I was genuinely concerned and I felt compassion and empathy, but you know, I, it became clear to me as to why this person is probably in their situation. I actually know a few people who have ended up in situations And it's abundantly clear as why they are in those situations. I think they're just disillusioned to the reality of how their behavior is causing uh, the friction in their life. Mm -hmm. But I can't emphasize this enough. And I've been seeing this one for a while now is if you are getting into a situation, please consult legal counsel, get the right attorney, do the homework, do the research. And, you know, please do not depend on the people that you're... GIF or whatever you're being provided because you pay $20 a month, to be part of a legal service. I mean, I can tell you that when I was in real estate, we would have these people who participate in these $10 a month plans through their jobs, mm-hmm. that at any time they can reach this pool of lawyers and pull these lawyers out to do a transaction for them, pretty much in any facet of their life. When I would hear this from a client in real estate, and they were going to employ a you know, like a, like a, this $10 a month retainer attorney, uh, I would actually at some point have, after a while, I'd sit them down and say, guys, listen, you know, how bad do you want this house? Oh, we want this house. We're in love with it. I'm like, it's never going to happen. You're, I know what they told you that this $10 a month would get you and save you on legal fees. You've been banking on save this 800 bucks, this 900 bucks. But I'm telling you, it's going to fall through. The lawyer that you hired has no clue what they're doing. This is merely somebody who got a law degree and is allowed to practice law. But I'm telling you, it's no different than eating at a shitty restaurant. You know, I think about this, got a place where I live and I hate to sound so vain about this, but (laughs) the guy really is under the belief that, and my kids always make fun of me because they do eat there and they're like, you know, you hate that place. And I'm like, yeah, because it's terrible. The food is so bad. So the point is, is like the craziest part about that all is that the guy who owns the place doesn't think the food's bad. Yeah. But it doesn't matter what the guy who owns the place thinks. It's about what the, he's not selling it to himself. Depends what the people eating the food think. And so, for the same reasons, you get this person who is a quote unquote attorney mm-hmm. and may have been good at school, but it doesn't translate to having the practical know how to. I mean, at a very minimum, communicate. Yeah. Many attorneys I've seen having whose dick is bigger games in real estate transactions? You know, over what? And I'd have to like intervene as the realtor and be like, guys, what are we doing here? We have a client who wants to sell and a client who wants to buy. And you guys are playing, my law degree is bigger than yours.
0: Yeah. But it, it, my ego is bigger than yours. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I lived in that world for many, many years. And it's one of the reasons... Like, I, I, well, I I love my life. I have specifically crafted my life to be exactly what I want it to be with as a mom, as a wife, as a as a business owner. And that does not include working in a law firm with the giant egos that are that come along with um, trial lawyers. Um very successful litigators. Um I would say 50 50% or more of my clients are in a union. And yet they still hire me because they call their union and their union either says, "Nope, I, either, I can't do this because To be fair, not all unions provide employment law help, which is what I—the type of stuff I do. A lot of unions, really, especially down in the South or uh, any at-will state—if you're not sure what that is—just book a call with me; I'll explain it. Um, The that they will not help on thing that's anything not related to like a use of force issue on the job. One of the major unions here in Texas refer, one of the guys here locally, he, if they get anything to do with employment law, they even though this person's a union member, they send it to me because they don't help with that. I've had people who've been advised by their union lawyers in other states to how they respond or just not respond at all to internal affairs investigations. And you and I both know, or maybe most people listening, is if you, don't, if you say, no, I'm not going to participate, I'm not going to be interviewed in an internal affairs investigation, what's going to happen? You're going to get fired. Because you're, you have to submit yourself to an investigation on internal affairs. Now, I wasn't involved in that part of it, but I, I can say that in my opinion, I think that was bad advice. But the reason I'm not faulting that attorney necessarily, but they have a job, they have an employer, they ha- they are employed to do a job in a structured way, and they have a way that they work their the way that they make their most they make money the most efficiently is by sticking to the system. And then that's where, but then that's where I come in. And as I help people, I am willing, I take my clients, and this is not a pay to on people. It's just I want people out there to know that if you're in a union, I'm glad you're in a union, I'm I'm a favor of it if what it does for you if is if it provides you legal representation to defend yourself in a use of force situation. Because I know people who have who were not in a union ended up having to go to trial to protect themselves. And, and they own nothing out when it's over because that's so expensive. And if you have you are in a union, they pay for that. Great, but just because you're in a union does not mean they can help you with all things. And you need a person who understands the specific issues. And most of the time, that's not your union when it comes to and not not like up in the Northeast where you guys are. They get involved in a lot more things. Um, or their collective bargaining agreement specifically mentions how the process is supposed to go if you are investigating or disciplining an officer. That does not exist in the South. I mean, there's some, like, some state might be a one-off per state, like Laredo, Texas, has a like a police officer's union, and they have a collective bargaining agreement. But even then, I have a client that they violated the collective bargaining agreement, and the union rep was like, no, I'm not, there's nothing we can do about that. I'm not going to help you. Because
1: like, they might be in bed with the administration, right?
0: Probably. And... Because there's just a way that they have a system. They do things. They say that we will help with X, Y, Z, and we do it by one, two, three. And if if it doesn't fall into that very specific category, they're like, nope, I can't help you. But but there is somebody out there that can help you, and that's most likely me. But yes, there are people out there you should not ever try and do it by yourself. Um, If there's something really going wrong in your world, you need to know what to say. You need to know how to say it. And I'm gonna tell you right now that if it's coming from a lawyer, it has more credence. To it more weight to it than if it's coming from you. Even if all you do is pay a lawyer to write a letter for you, that, that's that's gonna work better for you. And people are gonna pay a little bit more attention than if you try and do it yourself. But yeah, you need you need professional assistance and people who are accustomed to doing what you need done. But that's whether you in your real estate, I would never try and sell my own house. No, I I have a real estate guy for that.
1: You know. I hear regrets from people constantly about how they wish they would have actually just spent the money and gotten a private attorney that they chose at their liking. And so, you know, I don't say this to scare people, but you have to think of the consequences of playing it cheap. And so if your job means that much to you and you need to keep it and it looks like it's going to be a situation where you might lose it, they have to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And. um you know, it's uh, it's a sad part of life. And, you know, I wonder, because we're pretty much inundated in this in the law enforcement world, and we're kind of almost closed off to the rest of the world, you know, is this something that's prevalent in in all companies or specifically to like public work? Which part? I think just the part of like, needing an attorney, right? Like, You know, I mean, and like like it seems like at times a lot of this stuff seems very, very on the forefront of what it means to be a cop. Yet I don't hear people who are like union carpenters, union plumbers, um, you know, restaurant owners, albeit different problems. It never seems to be like they have problems like almost every cop inevitably is going to at some point in their career need to retain counsel. Mm -hmm. It would be few and far between that don't. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's a very interesting dynamic of this profession. And I don't see it anywhere else across the board, you know, unless there's some extreme circumstances and cases where people are looking at quick dollar signs because they're manipulating the system. Yeah. Hey guys, follow us on all social media platforms to so include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group. We have so much information going out every single day and we don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So check it out, go give us a follow.
0: I agree in the sense that a lot of cops and, and- not saying one gender's better or worse than the other, but just that what I see is that more often men than women, when they're cops, and the longer that they've been the cops, more so this is true, think, well, I know the law. I, you know, I don't need your help. Well, and I will flat out. I've gotten to the point now where I just flat out say, look, you know, with all due respect, you know criminal law, you don't know civil law. It's not the same thing. You also, I also, like me personally, like, I mean, I've had 15 years of trial experience. I know the process. I know what you have to like, okay, but wait for this and put up with this, but don't put up with that. I mean, just like, you know, it's it's just, I'm not a rookie. When you're a rookie, you have to figure out the system. And then, you know, just like the seasoned cops, you know, like, okay, well, I'm not going to worry about this so much. I was telling a story the other day about, I chased some guy who bought bought something and the uniform guy was supposed to chase him, but he didn't. So I jumped out of my car and I was undercover and to chase him, but I was... Rookie, stupid. I didn't grab my radio or my phone, so nobody had any way. I had no way of telling anybody where I was, and it was in the freaking hood at night. And thankfully, one of my guys just so happened to see me cross the street, so he pulled down the street and ended up because I ended up chasing this guy into a crack house. Which you know, so many stupid things I did in that scenario, which was I would say a rookie mistake. And while I'm proud of myself that I chased him down and got him in the house, the more seasoned guy was like, I could have found that guy on the same corner tomorrow. Like, oh, well, shit. Okay. Um, so it's the things that you learn. And so, yes, I think that cops are too quick to say, I don't need your help, I can figure this out myself. They're too cynical and think nothing, it won't matter. Um, it won't make a difference. And what I will say to anybody, and that's it, number one is if you think you can handle this yourself, don't because you won't know what to say. You won't know, you won't know the right things to trigger your federal protections. And you know, somebody like me, I know that. The second thing is if you don't do anything about it, it's like the guy who's a 30-year firefighter who has, I mean, been fighting fires and wildfires and his whole life, and he's in tears talking to me about how much it's affecting emotionally. If you don't handle the situations that you're in, you're either going to deal with depression. It's going to manifest somehow especially the longer you end up to really when it's still really starting to affect you you like this guy who's in tears he can get depressed he's going to start having anger management issues if he doesn't already just cuz of the career it's just going to manifest and make anything worse that you're already dealing with and so yes i think that cops predominantly think they don't need it because they can know how to do it on their own um but in general like nobody really wants to pay for a, an attorney are you kidding like n- nobody i i also help like in houston and I help female executives in the oil and gas industry because that's also a predominantly male field and um, you know, people know me. And so they're like, oh, this must be the same in the cop world. Can you help me with this? And I'm like, yes, I can help. And they're quicker to say, I know I need to pay for this. Um, so I do think there is, a, for lack of a maybe a better label, um, the the ego involved with cops, like we talked about earlier, keeps them from thinking that they need help on it. But Everybody does. I mean, I don't want to have to pay for a lawyer because I am a lawyer, but I still pay to somebody to write my will because I don't do that kind of stuff. And I don't want my kids to have to deal with some type of contest later because I didn't really know what I was doing. Or I need to have a quick claim deed drafted up in Florida and filed for me. I can draft it, but I'm going to send it to the person who does that for a living so I can make sure it's all done right. And I, do I want to pay for that? No. So it's also, also it's for my mom and I wish she would pay for it. But either way, that's you get what I'm saying is you, like I don't do my own plumbing, but even though I know how plumbing, I know how faucet works. I'm still going to try and fix my faucet. I'm going to pay the plumber for it. Do I want to pay the plumber? No, but I do. But just saying, I mean, on and on, like, yes, I think, I mean, I have clients who didn't pay me for things, try and handle it themselves. I mean, one lady who didn't pay me for it ended up getting Jack Ola from a mediation ended up being mad at everybody, including me for, and she told me later, I checked in with her like six months later. She's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I was real mad at you and everybody else for about six months. She's like, I'm, I'm getting better now. She said, but I, I should have had you help me more. I was like, I know you should have, because <laughs> you didn't have help. You went through this mediation and you got nothing, even though they owed you money, they owed you, they owed you back pay. Anyway, it's, I just think, and I, you and I, I've talked about this before. I've told you before. I'd say it all the time: is that that's I consider what I do to be a mental health tool. Then even though yes, it costs money for me to help you, I'm going to be able to give you answers that you didn't have before. I'm going to be able to tell you what I think you should do about it when you didn't know that before. And that's what I do for all my clients. Um, I can give you say what I think you should do, and then and then you don't even have to hire me to do it for you. I uh, mean, my I have people telling me I shouldn't, I should stop doing that part of it, that I should just go to the more expensive level and say, pay me to do X for you, or yes, I can help you pay me and I'll tell you what it is. I, it's just not my style. I want to help. And I think that giving you answers and telling you, yes, there's something you can do about it. And then saying, oh, by the way, if you want me to do that for you, I can, or you can try and do it yourself. But then I always say, but don't. <laughs> um, but sometimes I think it's as simple as letting people know, no, you're not crazy. Yes, this is wrong. Yes, there's something you should do about it. And I I think that helps people feel so much better a lot of the time. Um, And and even if it's not a lawyer, talk to a therapist. Talk to a therapist to talk it through. And then the therapist a lot of times is that neutral observer who could say, yeah, I don't really know if you have something here. and Because they're not going to give you legal opinion, but they're going to just let you talk things through so that maybe they can give you a different perspective on it. But, But yeah, I think, yes, I think you should hire a lawyer. And I think you should hire me.
1: Where do they find you?
0: Uh, my website um, is the best place because that's where you can, if you want, if you think the what you need me, you can book a free 15 minute call and we'll talk about it real quick. And in that 15 minutes, I'll be able to tell you whether or not I think there's something you should, you, you I should look into. Um, that's all my social media links are on my website. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, it's on my website. Uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, I give away like free, a lot of, a lot of free stuff, like a lot of like legal tips, um, things like that. Um, by my website, LadyLawShield.com, it's the best way, and I'll link you to anywhere else you want to go.
1: What states do you practice in? So people maybe can, instead of like being in Oregon, like, oh, I'm going to call or have a problem going on, I'm wasting your time and their time. What states are you practicing in?
0: Actually, I do practice nationwide because um, the like, harassment, discrimination, retaliation, hostile work environment, whistleblower claims, all those are based upon federal statutes, federal law. And being licensed anywhere means I can help you file a EOC claim if that's what you want, if that's what you need to do. If you end up needing something that goes to a lawsuit, then you do need somebody in your state. I am licensed in four states, uh, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, and New York. Um, But I I mean, I have clients all over. I mean, West Coast to East Coast, North to South, it's all over because it is a a universal federal standard that... um, that the, that the claims are based on, but also it's just a universal level of crap that all cops have to deal with. And it's the same everywhere. And that's where I think, you know, because I live that. I mean, I have clients who tell me like, I mean, she was telling me the other day, like, Bridget, I don't think I could have. I mean, and yes, this is towning my own self, but I helped her so much because any other lawyer would have said, first of all, a lot of lawyers don't like to deal with the city aspect of it, the municipality, because that brings in different codes, different aspects. And yes, that is more of a local litigation type of thing, but I First of all, that's what I do for a living. And then second, I lived it and saying like, she would have, doesn't know if she could have gone through with it. Just having somebody that they, that she knows that lived the world, knows what the culture is like and I, whether it's me or somebody else. And also I connect people with people in your lo, in their locality all the time. If you have a worker's comp claim, I don't do that on a regular basis. And yet I help cops find a good worker's comp in their area, preferably someone that's also been a cop if I can find it um so that it's also something you do not want to do on your own is a workers comp claim i promise you if you're doing a workers comp claim on your own you are leaving money on the table that they're making sure that you don't know about that's my that's my last two bits on that but i can also help i connect people all over the country for that but but for harassment discrimination all that kind of stuff i can do that nationwide
1: i always enjoy these because i just Constantly getting the pain coming across on my social media platforms and people who are in dire need and help, and so for the police officer to think that they are not going to experience this, you know, I, I would count on experiencing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this way, you at least know that there's an outlet somewhere that you can reach out to and and try to find some answers when you find yourself in a situation like this. I feel very badly for these people. I, yeah. I really do for the things that people must suffer through. Um, Merely because of whatever circumstances they find themselves in, it's very, very unfortunate.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, and it's it's very unfair. And so we do that with the intention of, you know, making everybody aware of like there is hope, but you got to get your shit in straight and your ducks in a row if you want to actually, you know, you don't want to be late to the table or late to the game because you will be, you know, one period, one quarter, five innings behind, and -hmm. that's not where you want to start. So. You know, I think I think some of the easy stuff that people think is not, you know, something that they're willing to do, is to recognize what kind of things you're up against to begin with.
0: Yeah. And how yeah, things are going
1: in your circumstances.
0: Before, sorry, our conversations before we've talked about uh, Brady Giglio. That's such a sad situation to me, and I won't go into it right now. But I can say if there's anybody out there dealing with it, like they're on finding out that they're on a Brady Giglio list, because sadly, in almost all states, you can get put on these lists and they don't even have to ever tell you they're putting you on the list. As I help officers with that, and I've had, I mean, almost, I think almost every well, your podcast and then another lady who's written on it a lot, they send them to me. So you either get them from your listeners or I get them from this lady who's written on it. But that's also across the country. Um, I help officers come up with a plan to rehab that and get off that list. And my plan works. That's not a guarantee, but it works. And um there are not many people out there doing that. So um but yeah, go to my website if you want that information or sign up for my newsletters because sometimes I share tips on that too. But um but yeah, I know and I just want to say this, I feel like this was kind of a very heavy downer episode that we've had today. Um but I can't say the point is that this information, just take it as knowing that there is something you can do about it when it happens to you. If you're going to have a career in law enforcement, 20, 20 25, 30 years, you're going to have something that you should maybe to, you know do something about it and just know that there is something you can do about it. And whether you remember me or just look it up on the podcast or whatever, reach out to Dennis and he's going to say, call Bridget. Um I just think the point of it is is knowing that there is an option knowing that there is something you can do I just think that really matters to people and I think that should make people feel better
1: I you know think that even though it was heavy and a little down it's important to discuss I think will need to know these things because they are a reality of of what you might face in this profession so I think it's something to cheer and fire guns up in the air about that this may be Your reality at some point in your life. Yeah. Uh, But you know, if it does, at least you know and have some existing knowledge of what to do in a situation like this.
0: Yeah. And and then to recap how I started it is you posted the other day about if somebody in your department is, you know, you say there's a post about do you wear the thin blue line when if and you support the your brothers and sisters in law enforcement, then that means that you should care about them no matter what's happening. And so, yes, also if you know somebody that's like they're going through anything at work. Send them a text message. Leave them a voicemail. Whatever it is, like just knowing that there's somebody out there thinking about you when you're going through something like that makes such a huge difference. Because I would be willing to bet 95 percent of the time or more, somebody's going through an IA or a crap or just whatever, and they don't hear from anybody at the department. Almost every one of my clients say that to me that as soon as the, that they go sour at work the friends are who they thought were their friends at work they never hear from them again. I also know you say like don't don't hang out with people from work, don't do all the like don't drink the Kool-Aid all the time. I completely agree with that only because well is another we I know we can keep going but no yeah, you other aspects of your life that don't have anything to do with your job. So that when if, if or when something goes wrong at work it doesn't feel like that much more catastrophic to you because you have other things in your life that aren't going wrong. Um, but when something does go wrong or when somebody, you know, at work has something that's going wrong, freaking text them. You don't even, that doesn't even have, that's not even a real commitment is a text. Like it's not even you're having to stop and call or leave a voicemail and call them back. Send them an, even if all you're doing is send them a text saying, Hey man, I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. Let me know if I can do anything. Now, if they start ranting and want to start going into it, that's not necessarily your job, but Still, just the fact that they know you reached out because almost, I don't have any clients who tell me every single one of them say, I haven't heard from a single person in my department since I since I left or since since this started or whatever. And that I know it because it happened to me. But yeah, just having somebody acknowledge that they see what's happening makes them feel not so alone. And the third certain, certain in the law enforcement world, you don't want people to go down that I'm alone. Nobody understands me rabbit hole both. You know, it can get way worse. You want, you just want somebody to see and acknowledge and hear. So send them a text. It's not hard.
1: I think as a human being, it's important to do that. I don't know why people get so uncomfortable with doing uncomfortable things. You know, like it's, you know, somebody's dying in your family or somebody you know is dying. Why are we not visiting them? Mm -hmm. Why are we waiting to say that? Well, I'll go to his wake or his funeral. Well, that guy or girl didn't want you to come to their wake or funeral. They'd rather have seen you mm-hmm. while they were still here or heard from you. I don't know, man. Uh, like a lot of things are very interesting to me lately. And I think they always have been, but more lately than than not. And I think at a very minimum, we can just be good to each other and human beings and, and see each other uh, as souls and human beings yeah. on this earth and understand there's a person there. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people get confused on that. Why I tell you to stay away from Fraternizing it makes sense. Fraternizing. Fraternizing. fraternizing, yeah. Fraternizing, right?
0: Fraternizing. The more you say it, the more wrong it sounds. It's fraternizing. Yeah. But yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fraternizing with the people that you work with outside of work, mm-hmm. and people get very offended by that. But I mean that with sincerity because I can tell you about the guys that didn't hang out with us and how they were almost never heard of, never brought up, never in trouble. Right. You know, and and just had. Like they left their job at work. Yeah. i saying you don't have to be proud of what you do. I'm saying you don't have to bring the roll call to Friday and Saturday night as well out at the bar because you need to be with squad eight, 10, and 12. And yeah. you guys drink together every week. And there's 28 of you that go out consistently. You're asking for trouble. We're not telling this because we want you to end people writing on my comment like, oh, I can't, I can't agree What what about the brotherhood? Like, you don't have to go drink at a picnic for five hours for there to be brotherhood. Just so we're clear, you don't have to hang out every weekend and tailgate at the next Luke Bryan concert. If anybody's going to that, still, um, you mm-hmm. know, guy. May, honestly, I, you know, and I'm, I'll say this publicly, like because I'm such a compassionate person, um, I think that people go through things. And mm-hmm. he was the one, was it Zach Bryan? Or was, I don't know the fucking country people names who, who got arrested recently. Zach Bryan
0: what was it country music. Wow. No. Um, I don't know because I have I've missed it. Um,
1: yeah, Zach Bryan was arrested recently. I think it was is that is that is that a singer? Yeah. Brian. yeah, Zach, yeah so Zach Bryan. Yeah, um, Zach. Yes, Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan. Yeah, he was arrested by Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Oh. Uh, for interfering, and he was wrong. And you know, the guy had enough. I don't know, regret to come out, make a statement, whatever the motivation behind it was. But for us to cast judgment on him so very quickly. Uh, is something that would be wrong because you wouldn't want judgment cast and casted on you so very quickly, and and people get in trouble, and people do things they didn't mean to do, and you know you don't know what's going on in people's lives, right. so uh, you know I don't agree with what his actions were, but certainly this is not a history of actions; it was an isolated incident, and it seems like um, the guy has extreme regret for it, and and for whatever reasons I I think it's valid and validated, and I'm not saying he should be permitted to behave the way that he did, but. Again, you know, I think we need to stay focused on what the real issues are in the world.
0: I think anytime anybody post arrest or investigation, or whatever, showed up, truly looking at what happened and and trying to make amends somehow. I mean, I arrested a guy sold cocaine to me with a gun in his pants, and in Florida, that's an enhanced penalty—a ten-year minimum mandatory prison sentence—and he showed up with his parents, like a show that he had a family and that they were gonna. That you know, obviously, this was not you know, that there was hope that he would not be, you know, do it again. Um, and I think that was one of the things that was so sad to me when I was a cop to see the kids that grew up in the neighborhoods and just think, oh my gosh, what chance do they have to get out of this world, this environment? Um, and it was the kids stuff that that made me the saddest or, or stuck with me the most. But, you know, I, that's a mistake I made when I was in law enforcement, especially when I was on SWAT and just being the only female and just trying, like, should I, do I, do I fit in? But I'm never really going to fit in because I was a female um, but be around because I don't, I want them to remember I'm there. You know, I, I definitely did that wrong. So everything you just said, I, you know, I definitely did that wrong, but I mean, certainly number one is I didn't have anybody telling me otherwise. And number two, honestly, I'm not really sure I would have listened to them. Um, and that's sad, but just, I can say that now. Um, but if I had had the right type of training, if they'd had some type of, to me, a, a proper wellness training program, which is just to consistently and constantly tell you, keep your life balanced meaning get away from the job take your vacation like do things that don't have anything to do what did you do before you became a cop what are the things that are you not doing before you became a cop start doing those things again i mean i my my entire world definitely revolved around swat and narcotics and and then that started going bad and then i definitely didn't know how to fix it and then sometimes it's hard to have the same friends if you're a cop. I mean, a lot of people I knew. I mean, this was twenty-something years ago, and a lot of people I knew was in Gainesville, Florida, and it's college, and people are smoking weed and doing whatever, and they didn't want to be around me because I was in the narcotics unit, and like, and I didn't necessarily want to be with them if they were doing that because I could lose my job. But you know, then people, so then you lose some friends for it. And so, in a way, maybe that's good. I mean, but I do, I cannot agree with you. I cannot say this enough how much I agree with you on, you know, certainly hindsight twenty twenty is a piece of that, but. Yes. If you're a cop, I don't care how excited you are doing it when you first start doing it, but keep hanging out with other people, maintain those relationships um, because it will definitely pay dividends later in many ways.
1: Yeah. I know that people have a hard time seeing that. And believe me, I'm I'm just as guilty as anybody else being the new guy. And all my friends were the guys that I went to the academy with, mm-hmm. people that I worked with. Yeah. And they're great people. And I think that's why we essentially gravitate towards them, especially academy classmates, right? You're yeah. always going to love your academy classmates. But the reality is is there is a price to pay when you when you if at anything, one guy or girl, yeah, you got one coworker at work, maybe two that may be a little bit more reasonable, but hanging out eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, fifty, seventy five, a hundred Guys, you don't have to listen to people who are new and don't know this the hard way yet
0: right, I'm you know kidding.
1: you need to you need to yeah. listen to the people who have been around for a while. I mean,
0: yeah. And keep yourself so busy outside of life that you don't have time to sit, do those things where it's easy to say no. I mean, that was my thing. Like I would do like the time I just, I've never been like a big friend pack person. I have this, the small group of people that mean a lot. I'm not, my sister's the opposite. She would, she'd rather have 30 friends than keep up with all of them. I'd rather have three and, and have, you know, more substance to the conversations. But now obviously I'm so busy with that. I have my sort, I have three kids and I mean, you know, that we talk about kid stuff, but um, you know, I'm so busy with that that I don't have time to see friends. But okay. I also make sure that I get away from my kids because I would lose my mind in, in this phase of my kids' life if I didn't get away from that, or make sure that I always exercise, or make sure that I, you know, I have the food that I want to, f- you know, have at the house so that I can feel better about, you know, be well and feel better about myself. So, but all that takes effort, but it doesn't take that much. I'm telling people like five minutes a day, spend five minutes a day thinking, okay, what kind of activity do you want to put back in my life so that. You know if you're busy and you have another social event it's easy to say no to that happy hour or that tailgate or that whatever you're not gonna you don't have to miss all of them you just don't need to do all of them yeah and now wisdom of being 48 and not 28.
1: 22 22 right like 28 i think you get a little more wisdom but
0: tw- you know yeah. not- depends on the person
1: <laughs> no question about it you know i I I agree, and I say these things not because they're popular, just because they're true. Anyway, this has been I
0: would say twenty eight for sure, because twenty eight is when I was I was able I was capable of looking at this and saying, no, wait, I don't something's wrong with this. I don't know if I need to do this anymore. Versus the twenty four year old me would have been like, no way, I got this, I am on my, I can do it all. And then twenty eight, you're like, wait a second, this sucks. I don't have to, you know, but it's you know thirty years old. I quit. I went to law school at thirty. Like I'm also a firm believer that it's never too late to do anything. You want to quit and start a new career, start a new career. I was talking to an attorney the other day. She's in an immigration law. She hates it and it not have anything to do with the political aspect of what's going on. Most immigration lawyers would tell you that it never has anything to do with, with politics. Immigration is immigration and the politicians are just making it worse. Um, but I said, like, so do you like what you're doing? Because her firm's older than mine, much more well-established and so all that. And, um, and she's like, no, I don't like it at all. I said, what would you want to do? She's like, I just wish I was doing more with entertainment. I said, then start doing it. Like you have a job, you can start learning it, you know, make connections, like never discredit the value of your Rolodex, so to speak. You want to get out of law enforcement, you want to change your field, you want to change your department. Look at who, like when I say Rolodex, there's a lot of young people are like, what's a Rolodex? I'm talking about the contacts in your phone or scroll through them and think, I promise you, you know somebody yeah, so have a kind of hey man, can we just, can we just sit down and talk sometime? I just love to figure out, you know, how did wh- you know, why'd you choose this? How'd you get there? I just love to hear your story. There's not a single person on this planet that doesn't like to talk about themselves. I mean, maybe you're an introvert and you don't want to talk about your yourselves in front of a bunch of people. Fine, do it one on one, I don't care. But there's not a single person that in some way doesn't want to talk about themselves. And if I'd be happy, that's something I'd be happy to have a conversation with anybody about. You want to figure out, and there are companies that specialize in helping law enforcement officers transition out. If that's what you want to do, we, we both know a lot of people who do that. And they also help you find, put value on and recognize the value in everything you've learned in law enforcement and put the right labels and descriptors on it. Because you might think, Oh, this job sucks so bad. I need to leave. And you're sad and you're depressed, but nothing I do matters. Well, that's bullshit. Because you've done a lot of things that have mattered, and a lot of what you do can translate into a lot of other areas. You just need, you might need help again. Hire the person that you need the help from, whether that's a you know I can list off a couple of people, but certainly I'd be happy to provide anybody who wants it. But you know helps you look at what have you done in your career and helps you word it the right way so that you can get that next job, whether it's a lateral or a promotion or whatever. There are a lot of people out there that help can help you do that and for most of us, that's not what we specialize in. It's not what I specialize in. I pay people to help me write things in the right way. So I don't know. You have, you have a great team of people. Dennis doesn't sit around posting social media. He pays people to do social media. So. Do some social media. I know you do.
1: I think people people know when it's from me. I think you could tell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: most of it is actually the memes. I do those. Uh, The GIFs. I do those. Uh, A lot of the, the deep, thoughtful stuff. Some of the stuff that's like, cut and paste from like our podcasts or things like that but let me also say this like maybe that just wasn't a good example uh Dennis knows nothing of how the I know the basic principles of the of how money is procured how we are paid but I have no idea how any of the systems work and as long as they're telling me that everything's fine right I just don't and and then maybe to my detriment a little bit maybe I don't know every inner working part of this company but At the same time, if I spent my time on that, I wouldn't be able to try to move the needle in the the way that it's got to go and doing what I do best.
0: Right. Pay the people who can give you the help so that you can focus on the things in your life that matter to you the most and have the highest um, return on your investment. And your investment could be your time, (laughs) your training, your mental health, whatever it is. I mean, I... This, I don't know if it sounds snotty, but like I pay a little bit extra for my groceries because I have them delivered because I don't I don't want to take the time to do that. And it gives yeah, me no, the, I get it. it gives me the freedom to not be so bitchy with my kids or to you know have more time to have a meeting with somebody to like and I'm you know I've, I've started to pay a lot more people to do things in my business. Like, am I smart enough to figure it out? I would like to say yes, but is that the smartest use of my time? No. So and that's the same with whatever problem you're facing in life. But um, yeah there's always somebody that you can find that's an expert in any field you can think of. And it's worth it. It's worth it to pay the professionals, but yeah.
1: It's always good. Oh, we should do this more often.
0: I'm. I We, we should do it all the time. I'm going to, Oh, I need to interview you, by the way. We're starting to do that. I'm not calling okay. it a podcast. I'm just doing it an interview for now. What do you think I should call my podcast? If I had a podcast, I should make that a social media post.
1: Yeah, and no, only because I think most people don't understand branding, right? And so I have to think about
0: it. My other business is protective wellness.
1: Well, the question I think I think the question is like, what is the podcast going to be about?
0: That's a good. Well, I I know I'll text you later.
1: So, like, I could be the like when we started to decide to do a podcast, conversation was what what was this podcast going to be? Because I have things to offer on many different levels, so. We went to the law enforcement space. We thought it was most appropriate. We thought it was basically the most, um, out of all the realms we were looking at, I'm like, well, I mean, I don't have that much business success where I can go and compete with some of the massive, massive business people in this in this space. Because it's very, very crowded here. Uh, not as crowded, very important. And I think I'm more appropriate to speak on the things in this in this context, and it's potpourri. So we can essentially pepper in a lot of stuff that's not law enforcement related, where that's where a lot of our non-law enforcement listeners find value. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just a I'm a cop, beat my chest. Da, 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 da. I think the overall and underlying message in a lot of these podcasts is humanity and 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 many of other things. I just never made a list of what they could be, but uh, entertainment, business advice, life advice, legal advice, r- like law enforcement, legal advice, all sorts of things that we bring on to here and, you know, yeah. stories of hope and struggle and and detriment and recovery and all these wonderful things that we get to bring to the forefront. So I'm glad that we chose the space that we went into. I know it's super important, albeit difficult at times, but super important. So yeah,
0: so,
1: uh, you can, I will, you have to tell me what you want to talk about and then I will... Great.
0: I do, even from a law firm perspective, has to do with helping people in their wellness. Because I think that, like for my example, with the legal problem, if you have a legal problem, it's going to feel... All-consuming and overwhelming. Even if you are doing a good job at at balancing out your life and you don't spend too much time at work, and either way, it's all consuming. You worry about it. If you're worried about it, something that much, that means it's going to affect your ability. Especially for cops, it might make you, you know, you're going to be distracted and not make that right split split second decision like you should. It's most certainly going to be affecting your home life. I mean, I've had spouses tell me, as the attorney for their spouse, say, "Thank you so much because this was like." Ruining our marriage, like you're, I'm able to provide them answers and results. So, and then on the wellness, I, like I have a wellness training business that I hardly pay attention to right now because of the legal side. But I'm gonna fix that soon. Um Because it's just, I just want to help. I just like, I just want to provide information that helps you find more balance in life so that you can proactively find it. Because it doesn't just happen. Happiness doesn't fall on your lap. You can make happiness happen, but I think you have to, but you have to work on it. And so, somehow, it has to do with I, but I don't want to call it wellness, but it's interviewing people to find out what they do. You know, why did you get, how did you get to where you are and why? And then somewhere in there, I'm going to hear like legal issues. I could say, okay, well, let me just throw this in there about that legal tip. Or, you know, if you I was talking to somebody the other day that they had an issue with, um, it was a female came out of law enforcement. She kind of sort of medically retired. And as we were talking about her story, I said, okay, well, for anybody out there listening, if this happens to you, do this. Um, and then we just continue the conversation out. So I definitely want to make sure that I include legal little tips, but I also think it's just a lot of different people with different kind of conversations. Like your background is very different than Chief, hopefully Gina Hawkins, who I'm gonna interview soon. You know, she recently retired, but anyway, well, I don't think she's through being a chief; she just retired from a particular department. But I mean, it's just I mean, a lot of different, similar to you, different people offering different things, but all with the eye to help people solve problems and and balance out life to find more happiness. And it's all like, my husband's like, calls that hippy dippy shit. <laughs> I don't care what you call it. If it helps you find more happiness on a daily basis.
1: I have to urinate.
0: That's what I was not in the compu- front of the computer whenever I, well, you came on a minute ago. Um, I'm okay. going
1: to urinate. I'm going to call you in two minutes. We're going to end this podcast after to pay. Okay. Hey, guys, check out our upcoming training at StreetCop.com. Don't forget, we have 50 instructors nationally teaching a variety of topics. These are the best classes you're going to experience in your career. We make sure of it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you you're going to be thankful that you went. Check us out at StreetCop.com for all upcoming classes in your area.